Ace and Swish podcast, where we discuss all things sports and debate. I'm Ace. And I'm Swish. And today, we'll be continuing our analysis on the NFL playoffs, breaking down Sunday's championship game. Stay tuned for the analysis on the Lakers' latest move as well. Today, I'm depressed doing this podcast because the Bills just completely no-showed on Sunday, showing no fight against the Bengals. Because of this, Swish's predictions were all right, and I went 3-1. and one. And I knew it after all. I am a visionary. Whatever. But anyway, today we'll be discussing the 49ers and the Eagles, as well as the Bengals and the Chiefs. We'll start with the NFC Championship game which will be seen at 3 o'clock Eastern Time on Fox this Sunday. The 49ers defeated the Cowboys Sunday in a nail-biter, 19-12, while the Eagles were the exact opposite, demolishing the Giants Saturday night 38-7. Swish, what are a couple of conclusions you can derive from those games? My takeaway from the 49ers-Cowboys is that the 49ers have an outstanding defense that allowed them to stop the Cowboys in the red zone time after time. Well, my takeaway is that Jalen Hurts is, well, not hurt. No pun intended. Swish, make puns one more time or you will be pun-ish. Eagles are going to lose, though. Jalen Hurts is pretty consistent passing 246 yards per game, but he isn't good enough to defeat the 49ers' defense. Even though both teams have an outstanding defense, the 49ers are the best. Brock Purdy, who had 1,314 yards this season, needs to make quick decisions. He's probably warmed up after his disappointing game against the Cowboys. Well, as we all know, the Eagles' offense relies heavily on running attack as one of the most dynamic in the NFL, with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders leading the charge. Right, and the 49ers can stop this. And I'll admit, the stats support this. The 49ers, if I'm not mistaken, have the second-best rushing defense in the NFL, but I don't think they faced a rushing offense, a rushing quarterback, and an offensive line as good as the Eagles this season. I'm not saying that the D-line is going to give up 150 yards, but I think the Eagles can definitely get to 100 rushing yards in this game. While Fred Warner, one of the best cover linebackers in the NFL, may neutralize the Eagles' tight end, Dallas Godert, I don't trust the 49ers' secondary to be able to contain the duo of Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Hurts won't be able to hit the wide receivers good enough, though. I think he might press. But I trust Hurts' experience at this point. The turnover battle is going to be a key factor in this matchup, but I trust he'll be able to take care of the football. Defensively, I think the Eagles can neutralize Purdy and the 49ers. I'm legitimately worried about the run defense, though. The Eagles have given up 4.6 yards per carry in their game this season, ninth worst in the NFL, against one of the most potent running offenses in the NFL, led by Kristen McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, and Debo Samuel. I don't trust they'll be able to contain the Niners in that regard. But, I'm slightly worried about your boy Brock Purdy. You shouldn't be. The Cowboys and their pass rush 
suffocated him last game. And the Eagles were by far the leading team in sacks this season. If they get in his face, an insanely loud crowd of Philadelphia gets to Purdy's head, I could see fans going sideways. This is the closest, most exciting NFC title game matchup you can get. But Philly has the home field advantage, the more experienced quarterback, and a flustering defense that may impact a rookie QB. This could go both ways. A multitude of scenarios. But I'm going Eagles, 27-24. to 24. The Brock man is not going to struggle. I trust, as of that Dallas game, he's experienced enough to get the ball out of the pocket quick and trust his playmakers. Kyle Shanahan will maximize him in this game. In my opinion, the Eagles will not fly, but die. Agree to disagree. No, I'm the one who says agree to disagree. Whatever. I think Philly's defense against quarterbacks and violent the crowd is a whole new level for Purdy. So, my prediction will be 30-27 49ers. Anyway, let's move on to the Bengals and the Chiefs, who also met last year in the AFC title game and have become very acquainted with each other. The Chiefs hired their generals to hunt the Jaguars, while the Bengals demolished the Bills. Wait, we don't ever speak all of this on the Ace and Switch podcast. Anyway, the major storyline in this game is that Patrick Mahomes' health, which is completely in question at the moment, he is nursing a high ankle sprain and likely won't be 100%. Switch, how does this injury affect this game? Wallace, a healthy Patrick Mahomes has struggled against the Bengals during the last three games of what seems like a rivalry brewing between Cincinnati and Kansas City. So I'm doubting a less than 100% Mahomes will be able to exploit this Bengals defense either. We'll take away his downfield passing at an elite level. Perhaps the Chiefs offensive line is good enough to prevent pass rushers from getting to Mahomes, and the Chiefs also relying on the running attack and quick passes will put up a solid offensive performance. But Joe Burrow blatantly, blatantly, has the edge in this matchup. He's healthy, Mahomes is not. He's only been sacked two times the last two games against the Chiefs, so protecting him with this revamped offensive line may not seem as big a tall task as some people think. I doubt the Chiefs' run defense is physical enough to stop Cannonballs and Joe Mixon and some of J.P. Ryan. And the Chiefs have struggled containing top receivers, so Burrow will have a multitude of weapons at his disposal, including Jamar Chase. I'm picking the Bengals. 34-24 to win this matchup. I personally think the Chiefs will be able to keep up with the Bengals with quick passes across the outside to negate Cincinnati's pass rush, and I think Mahomes will come through even with the ankle injury. The Chiefs are motivated by the goal of retribution on the Bengals, and they have a home field advantage. I'm going Chiefs in a close game, 36-30. Agree to disagree. I said I can only say agree to disagree on this podcast. No, it's a freedom of speech country, dude. But it isn't your role on the podcast. Uh, agree to disagree. We can only speculate about Mahomes' ankle at the moment. This game is really contingent on that. 
disagree to disagree. We'll end this podcast with a bit of preview for what we'll discuss next week. The incoming NBA trade deadline. The Lakers and the Wizards kicked off trade season Monday as the Lakers acquired wing Rui Hachimura for guard Kendrick Nunn and three second round picks. Many have suggested this was a steal for the Lakers, and I agree. The Wizards got almost nothing of a great value for a lottery pick in Hachimura. What are your thoughts on this trade? I agree. It was a good move for the Lakers to acquire Hachimura. The expectation among the Lakers is top brass is that Hachimura will eventually start next to LeBron and Anthony Davis, and that the Lakers will retain Hachimura during this year's restricted free agency. Considering the little leverage the Wizards had, it wasn't a terrible trade for them in terms of value. Hachimura made it clear that he felt he wasn't appreciated during an interview Sunday. Yep. He said that he wanted to go somewhere where he was valued. The reason he was devalued was because he just didn't drop a follow on the podcast. So there was little chance that the Wizards could squeeze a first-round pick out of someone who didn't follow the podcast. Kendrick Nunn is a reserve-caliber guard and won't strengthen the rotation much at all, outside maybe some scoring contribution. But those second-round picks are pretty nice assets to acquire if you look at it deeply. The 2029 second-round pick from the Lakers should be valuable considering their future is very bleak. So will 2023 second-round Bulls pick because the Bulls have been very underwhelming this season around the fringe playing range. I'm not at all saying this was a win for the Wizards. They failed Hachimura, and he likely wasn't going to be extended this late into his rookie deal. But this was probably amongst the best value the Wizards could get for him. Now the Wizards, they look to re-sign Kristaps Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma during free agency. Sure, the Wizards were basically stuck with Hachimura, I'll give them a C with this trade. But we can talk about what a win it was for the Lakers. If the Lakers are going to extend Hachimura, like you said, then he is a good acquisition for their future. Yep, I'm not sure the Hachimura trade is going to take them over the top, per se, uh, because I don't think Hachimura, who has been shooting 33% from the previous season, is going to single-handedly turn around the Lakers' shooting walls, nor will he be a lockdown defender. And he's also very passive-verse, relies a ton on mid-range jumpers, but he's still an interesting ball of clay considering the price the Lakers paid to get him, and I believe this is a good start to what the Lakers hope will be a series of moves during this eventful trade season. I agree. Hachimura has averaged 13 points and 4 rebounds this season, so this will be a nice addition to the Lakers' rotation. Of this podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure to drop a follow or else. Thank you for listening. <laughs>